Salwate Discipoli. Welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's with your host here, Liam. Ooh, I'm starting to get better at this whole intro thing. Anyways, um, so we have just to <clears throat> review really quickly, we've gone over the pres or the um the perfect system, right? Both in the perfect present perfect, um, the pluperfect, and the future perfect. So um, now that we've kind of, uh, we really fleshed that out too. We, we kind of understood both how to make a sentence passive and then uh, uh, consequently make it active and then, you know, turning an active sentence into a passive sentence. So it's kind of like really understanding the fundamentals there. It's um, uh, good stuff. Anyway, so we're going to jump right on into what we correlate with in chapter 13 of Wheel Lock which is going to be re- rela- not re- relative, reflexive and intensive pronouns. So again, that's reflexive and intensive. So before I begin, there are four important rules to remember in this chapter. So firstly, reflexives reflect the subject. Simple enough. Number two, reflexive forms must match the subject in number and person. Also simple enough. Sounds like an adjective so far. Um, number three, English self or selves forms uh, can refer to action which either affects oneself, in which case they're reflexive, or is done in person, in which case they're intensive. Um, And finally, number four, English intensives tend to follow directly what they refer to, whereas English reflexives, as a rule, never do. So, let me, give me a sec to grab some water. And uh, hydrated, hydrate, cool. Reflexive pronouns are pronouns that refer back to the subject. Um, so they're like reflecting, reflexive. Um, so let's say an English overmarks, or rather, let's just say that English overmarks these forms. So for instance, we say, I praise myself. Think about it for a second. You don't have to say self. You can just say, I praise me, and it means the same thing. So we overmark the reflexive by saying myself uh, when we could just say me. So in the same way we say you praise yourself, you could just simply say you praise you, and it would mean the same thing. Only in the third person is the self form actually required. When you think about it in any sentence and context... It is clear who I or you is, but it is not clear, or always clear rather, who he, she, or it is. Um, That's because there can be two different he's, she's, or it's being referred to. Um, But you and I always know who we are and, and are we speaking, who we are when we're speaking with one another rather. Sorry, that kind of got jumbled in my head for a second. Sometimes I speak a little bit faster than I think. So unlike me and myself or you and yourself and he and himself or him and himself rather, um, you have uh, or these forms need to be differentiated, for instance. So he praises him, meaning uh, the poet praises the king, right? Uh, 
Here, him is non-reflexive because it is not the poet praising himself. Does that make sense? So the poet is actually praising another person being the king. Uh, to make the sentence reflexive, however, you change him to himself and you change the thought of the sentence entirely, okay? So then if we throw in himself, we say he praises himself. Uh, means the poet is praising the poet, not the king. Uh, sounds a little... Um, sounds a little Dunning-Kruger or something like that to me. A little narcissistic. Anyways, um, the same is true of the third person plural for Example, they praise them, meaning the poets are praising the kings. Their them is non-reflexive, but they praise themselves would be reflexive. Therefore, the poets are praising the poets. Um, their themselves is reflexive. Where English overmarks reflexives, Latin doesn't really. Uh, actually, just does not, actually. Actually, actually, actually. Actually. There's my long-winded explanation, though, for further um, furthering my case in eradicating uh, dumb, uh, or rather, you know, people that just don't understand grammar, because nobody understands grammar like a classicist does. <laughs> Anyways, so for example, Latin says me laudo, which means I praise me, literally meaning eyes, uh, eyes praise myself. I praise myself. Or te laudas, meaning you praise you, meaning you praise yourself. Notice that you can tell whether a pronoun is reflexive if it has the same person and number as the subject, right? Referring back to what we refer to as an antecedents. So, for instance, the te in the sentence like te laudo, I praise you, cannot be reflexive because te has a different person. It's second person, uh, whereas the subject embedded in the verb laudo is uh, first person. So, Latin uses different forms for reflexives and non-reflexives only when the difference makes a difference, so to speak, in the third person. He praises him, someone else, is non-reflexive and has to be distinguished from he praises himself, which is reflexive. The same is true in the third person plural. So therefore, if reflexive pronouns reflect the subject, they can be in any of the following cases. The genitive, he longed for praise of himself. The dative, we gave a gift to ourselves. Right? You remember our rules about like how the genitive showing possession we use of, dative we use two or four, and the accusative just refers to the direct object. So you love yourself too much. And the ablative, they can see good in themselves, right? But reflexive pronouns cannot be nominative because they must reflect the subject. They can't be the subject. A mirror cannot see its own reflection. That's deep. Deep. Look at that Liam hitting on some existential crisis moments right there. Some meta. So here are the forms of the reflexive pronoun in Latin. Notice there's no nominative. Notice also that in the first person and second person singular and plural, there are no forms to memorize because in those persons and numbers, the reflexive pronouns are the same as the personal pronoun. 
So the only form you'll have to memorize here is the third person reflexive pronoun, sui cb se se, sui cb se se. Note that Latin makes no distinction between the singular and the plural of the third person reflexive pronouns because the subject makes it clear what sui cb se se refers to, right? If it's um, if the subject is he, sui cb se se has to mean himself. If the subject is she, it means it has to mean herself or itself and they themselves and so on. So one last thing to note, though, uh, about the reflexive pronoun is that when it is the object of the preposition cum, C-U-M, which means with, it will behave the same way that the pronoun may, nay, may, te, nobis, and wobis do, right? If you guys don't remember, cum gets added on with it. So uh, I'll give you an example, but it will reverse the usual order of preposition and object and form a singular word, secum, meaning with himself, with herself, um, with itself, or with themselves. So in the same way that the personal pronoun may has a possessive adjective counterpart, meus, or to, as tuus, um, the reflexive pronouns also have adjective counterparts called reflexive pronoun possessive adjectives. And as we've seen before with the reflexive pronoun, the Latin use of the reflexive possessive adjective is more logical than that of English where self forms are definitely overused. With the reflexive possessive adjective, English overuses own, uh, the reflexive adjective equivalent of self. That is, where English will say, I have my own book, own is unnecessary. Latin will say, I have my book. There we go. More um, ways in eradicating uh, dumb uh, rules in grammar. So, for instance, he has his own book. His own as the reflexive form means that the king has his own, the king's book, as opposed to he has his, that is, someone else's book, meaning the king has the poet's book. If we go back to our beloved poet praising the king. So, in which case, his is non-reflexive. So, I'll say that sentence again. The king has the poet's book. So the reflexive his, right, for his own book is non-reflexive. That means that unlike in the first and second person, uh, the third person there needs to be a special reflexive possessive adjective. And there is suis a um, meaning his, hers, its, and their own. So I'll give you an example here. So for instance, rex suos libros habet means the king has his own books. So suus in this case means his own because the subject is king. But if we change the subject, the translation of suus must change according, accordingly. Rather, So if we change the subject and make it neuter singular, then suus becomes its own. So for instance, otium sua pericula habet, meaning leisure, possesses its own perils. Excuse me, I burped. Uh, or we can make the subject plural. So then suis becomes their own, right? Instead of its own perils. So for example, puer suos libros habet, habent rather, I got to make that subject verb, verb agreement. So the boys have their own books. 
Did you notice that the ending of suos, particularly their number and gender, had nothing to do with the translation of suos? Um, so, for instance, leisure possesses its own perils. The proper form of suos there, being sua, is plural because the adjective agrees with pericula. But because suus is reflexive and reflects back to a singular subject, otium is translated as its own, which brings home the all-important lesson since chapter 4, which I've been trying to drive into your brains. And that is that endings on Latin adjectives are directional. They simply tell you what now what or they simply tell you what now to take the adjective with. Nowhere else is that lesson more important than here with the reflexive possessive adjectives. So let's look at another example. Rex nihil suae filii dedit. The king gave nothing to his own daughter. His own meaning suae filii, right? So notice the su part of suae here means his own because suus as a reflexive possessive adjective reflects the subject and the subject here is king, which is singular masculine. Therefore, the proper translation of suus in the sentence is his own. But the ending on the adjective is aei, because the adjective agrees with filii, which in the indirect object meaning to the daughter, and thus dative singular feminine. So that's why we have suai with an ae and filii ae, right? So it's it has to match that filii, that feminine dative singular. So here's another example. Ila culpas filiorum suorum widit. Um, so that woman saw the faults of her own sons. Because the subject is Ila, that woman, suis means her own, right? It's kind of, it's referring back. And because suis agrees with filiorum, it is genitive plural masculine suorum. Reflexive possessive adjectives are different from their pronoun counterparts in one surprising respect. They have nominative forms, and that's because they can refer to the subject of previous thought. For instance, the king was headed to the forum, but his son, meaning his own son, stopped him. Here, his own refers to the king. Thus, it reflects the subject. But the subject of the first sentence, the king, in the second sentence, his own modifies son. So, uh, that would be filius, nominative singular masculine in Latin. Thusly, the form of the reflexive possessive adjective, God, I love saying that mouthful every single time, in the second sentence must be suus filius, suus, aka nominative. Um, now, if it were someone else's son who stopped the king, that seems unlikely, but let's go with it. Um, the his is no longer reflexive, right? Right? Because it's not reflecting back. Ra-pa-pa. Pew, pew. In that case, Latin would use aeus for his, which would be filius aeus or hus ilius justus. 
um, if you're pointing at them in a condescending manner in which would almost certainly be the king's perspective because the his no longer reflects the king. So we're going to take a small little breaky break um, and we'll be right back uh, with a little sponsorship by our one and only anchor i just want to shout out to everybody that's been following and keeping uh up to date with all of the posts i love you all so very very much your boy has collected a dollar and 19 uh in uh sponsorships so you know what we're on the up and up i like to call it we're we're we're, we're achieving that critical mass if you guys don't know what that concept refers to, I think it's, it's a cool concept. It's a great term, I think, and it would be a really great band, band name. I'm all about the heavy rock. But critical mass really refers to, uh, you know, something that you put, uh, you know, time, work, effort into, um, and it just doesn't seem to be producing any sort of uh, benef- uh, outcome, uh, benefits, or anything like that. It's just something that you you just kind of keep on doing it's kind of uh chipping away at something uh uh and not really knowing if you're really chipping away at anything or you're going to be getting to anything at the end of the day but critical mass is when that point reaches a critical point where the mass um allows it to explode and that's essentially when things become viral that's why we call viral is essentially being critical mass so let's let's make let's make latin and layman's viral please come on let's go and <clears throat> we are back with Liam clearing his throat yummy yum so we're gonna go ahead I th- we don't have that much left we're gonna go ahead though and dive into uh, some more pronoun stuff so we've looked at the demonstrative pronouns like heek and ile uh, pronouns, personal pronouns like ego and tu, demonstrative pronouns that function as personal pronouns like is, ea, and id um, in this lesson, and uh, reflexive pronouns like suisi, bisese. So here's another type of pronoun. And sadly, not the last type we'll study in this class. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of pronouns ever, but whatever. The intensive pronoun, the intensive pronoun is more complicated and unnecessarily so than Latin. Ha! English intensive pronouns use the same form as their reflexive counterparts, so himself, herself, itself, and so on. Which means, in English, you can't look at a pronoun that's intensive or reflexive and tell which one it is based on only the appearance of its form. Why? 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 I'm so glad that I was born with English as my first language because this shit doesn't make any sense. Part of my French. Uh, Shiza, whatever. Um, consider the following. He himself went to the forum. What does himself mean here? Think about it. It means he went there in person. He didn't send one of his slaves or one of his friends. He went there and did his business on his own, as opposed to he went to the forum and bought food for himself. He or himself is reflexive because it refers back to he, the subject. In, er, In other words, he did it in his own, or rather on his own behalf. 
Uh, so now consider this sentence. You praised yourself. So first, yourself is intensive. You yourself means you did it in person, okay? Makes sense. The second person, yourself, is reflexive. You yourself praised yourself. You yourself <laughs> praised yourself. Praised yourself means the, the action of praising was brought back to you. So the subject... Note that in English, the intensive and reflexive pronoun forms are the same. They're both yourself. Yeah, so things can get start getting convoluted. Um, I feel like a lot of uh, intensive pronouns were used uh, in, like, old poetry and stuff like that. Doth hark now, uh, you yourself. The, the, uh, never mind. I don't know. I really tend to ramble. By now, I suspect you can guess where this is going, though. Guess what? In Latin, intensives and reflexives are not the same. Reflexives are formed by the way we studied mei, mei, tui, sui, sibi, and so on. The Latin intensives looked very different. It's ipse, ipsa, and ipsum. So... Cool thing is, we have uh, ways to distinguish between the two. Bad news, we have more uh, forms to learn. Good news, um, it, they just basically follow the uh, second declension endings, but we'll go over them uh, further. So I'll go over um, uh, an example here. So how about you, yourself, praise yourself? Back to that really convoluted sentence. In Latin, it would be um, be te ipsas and laudas. So te is our direct object, yourself. Ipse, nominative, you yourself, which is intensive. Um, and laudas, which is praise. And here are the forms of ipse, ipsa, ipsum. Do they look familiar? They should. The endings are vertically identical to ila, ile, ila, and ilud. So the only difference, the irregular D, the ending of the neuter nominative and accusative singular of illid, is missing in ipse, ipsa, ipsum. And who can complain about that, to be honest? So for instance, the nominative singular masculine ipse is perfectly predictable if you compare it to ile. And by now you should be used to mandatory long marks and the ablative singular feminine of any form which follows first declension. So, mm, uh, so in first declension or anything like it, uh, this macron is mandatory because it distinguishes the ablative singular feminine from its nominative singular counterpart, as well as the neuter nominative and accusative plural forms. Ile also should lead you to expect a genitive singular ending in I-U-S and dative singular ending in I, which is exactly what you get, ipsius and ipsi. So thus, the real challenge here is not Latin, but English in particular, differentiating between intensive and reflexive forms. Thanks, English, for being a real homie. So for starters, they mean different things. Intensives intensify. Ha! It's pretty explanatory there. Uh, they mean in person. So reflexives reflect. They refer back to the subject. Intensives 
uh, intensify, reflexives reflect. Both self-explanatory, both in the name. But here, <coughs> excuse me, Santa Fe's got lots of pollen around here, so uh, drowning, drowning in the pollen, but uh, too stubborn to ever take allergy medicine. Uh, so, wait, I, I lost my train of thought. I gotta stop these little side tangents. Okay, so there's, I guess, yeah, there's another pattern that can help you as well, though, in uh, differentiating between intensives being intense or intensifying and reflexives reflecting. So therefore, in English, intensives tend to follow directly the word they go with. So for example, the woman herself brought food or the Romans themselves built a city in both examples, the intensive forms herself and themselves denote that the woman and the Romans did these actions in person. Note also that in both the sentences, the self-form follows directly the nominative it intensifies. On the other hand, while reflexives in English have the same form as intensives, both using self. The use of the reflexive is very different, and so is its placement in the sentence. So, firstly, to remember, they almost never follow, follow directly the word they reflect, the subject. Number two, instead, there is almost always a verb between them and the subject. So, taking the same two sentences before, I can turn an intensive self form into a reflexive self form simply by moving it in the sentence. So in the first sentence, putting the verb brought in between woman and herself changes it from an intensive form, the woman herself, to a reflexive form, the woman brought herself food. You see, very, very subtle changes and nuances, but this is meaning the sentence where the woman brought herself food. You know, if you think about it, it's meaning that she brought it to or for herself. Um, herself now reflecting the subject. Notice that the meaning of the sentence changed entirely when we shifted the pronoun from intensive to reflexive. The Romans built themselves a city. Here's another example. So themselves is now um, reflexive. So when you see a verb between a self and the thing it modifies, it's most likely reflexive. With one hideous exception, one, one really poopy little thing. Consider this sentence. Uh, the Romans built the city themselves. There's a verb built between the subject Romans and the self form themselves. So is themselves reflexive or intensive? In other words, did the Romans do it to themselves, or did they build themselves? Uh, no, they built the city. Here, themselves can't be reflexive. It must be intensive. Um, it means in person. The Romans themselves built the city, not the Greek sla slaves. And there's a verb between the Romans and themselves. Them sh uh, themselves should be reflexive, but it's not. 
So there must be a word, a weird idiom in English in which uh, intensives can be put at the end of the sentence and still refer to a noun earlier in the sentence, which means that pattern in which intensives follow the noun they go with is only a tendency, not a rule, as I like to consider. Tendency, not rule. Isn't that just kind of annoying, though? Uh, stupid English. Um, if the Romans were still around, they'd prob- probably conquer us all and make us fix our intensives and reflexives. And I, for one, would shout, Makde, which means well done. Now, uh, calm down, though. It's all good. In all fair- fairness to English, uh, the meaning does distinguish self-formed but oh dear english speaker you yourself always have to remember to ask yourself in any self you happen to run into is intensive or reflexive so at the end of the day be sure always to do this itself yourself for yourself thank you again take care and i will catch you guys in the next lesson temps est discovery